This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Leah Purcell, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. Um, I'm so looking forward to this. I woke up this morning and I thought, oh, what's on today? You know when you do that when you get up? I thought, oh, Leah's coming in. I feel as though I know you, but I actually don't know anything about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got lots to talk about then. Well, and we both, we just found out we both live in the same suburb. Yeah, that's cool. Virtually yeah. around the corner. Um, I haven't seen you at the supermarket or anything, but <laughs> I'll look out for <laughs> you now. I'll be in my trackies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Leah is a multi-award winning writer, a playwright, actor, director, filmmaker, producer and screenwriter. Leah has starred in many movies including Jindabyne and Lantana and they have to be two of my favourite Australian films. Excellent, thank you. Really excellent films. Um, As well as her roles in varied television shows including Wentworth and Redfern Now. She is also the author of The Drover's Wife which was initially written as a play in 2016. Leah also starred in the play when it opened. The play was widely acclaimed and won numerous awards across Australia. These awards include the New South Wales Premier's Literary Award for Playwright and Book of the Year, the Victorian Premier's Literary Award for Drama and the Victorian Prize for Literature, the Australian Writers Guild for the Best Stage Work, Major Work, and the David Williamson Prize for Excellence in Writing for Australian Theatre. I mean, what a body of work. <laughs> yeah, it look... I I just wanted to write a play. <laughs> mm. I just wanted to star in something, and um, and the rest was just a bonus, you know, to be awarded with the awards, especially with the um, with the um, Australian Writers Guild, and uh, yeah, I was blown away. I, I couldn't believe that I got up three times that night and received, you know, because I was a C average student at school, nothing too flash, but um, but I always loved to tell a yarn or perform a yarn and and um, going through the industry as a writer, um, I was always interested in what was behind the scenes as opposed to just being the actor that rocked up and did lines and went and sat in a green room. Well, to me, when I when we did our research around you and, you know, we've got playwright, actor, filmmaker, director, producer, screenwriter, I mean, that's storytelling, isn't it? Yes. That yeah. is just storytelling yeah. and that's what you are. Um, it also won the Helpman Award for Best Play and Best New Australian Work and the Sydney UNESCO, oh, more awards than the Sydney <laughs> UNESCO City of Film Award. There is a feature film of The Driver's Wife written by and directed by Lee and starring Lee, slated for release in 220. Is that right? Yeah, we yeah. just finished. I'm a, we finished last week the filming, yeah. so we're into the edit process now. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I'm getting the impression here that you don't sleep very much. No. No. Okay. (laughs) Lee's work often include female and First Nation themes, characters and issues at their heart. Okay. So as I said, I know nothing. So I want to start with where you grow up, where you went to school and I want to 
want to talk about how the love of storytelling came to you. So where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in a little country town called Mergen. And, Never heard um, of yeah, it. Yeah, up near, it's in um, Queensland. So if you've heard of places like uh, Gympie or the Sunshine Coast, we're two and a half hours inland from the Sunshine Coast, hour inland from Gympie, we'd go there for our fast food shop. It's a small country town, blink, you miss it. Mm-hmm. If you follow the rugby league, Steve Renoff played for the Broncos back in the day and he was from Mergen or, um, and uh, and he's a, he's a relative. So he put us, Mergen, on the map there for a while and then I came along. And, and how would you describe of your childhood. Talk to me more oh, about look, that. Growing up um, in a small country. Yeah, grew, growing up small. Look, I had an Aboriginal mum. Um, my white dad wasn't around, so she, although she she had um, seven children, she raised two nephews, looked after her mother for twenty seven years, and then her oh, father wow. for five years. So she was my hero. My so mother there were and my seven father. Of yeah, there's seven. So I'm the youngest of the seven. Oh wow. And um, and look, I loved growing up in Mergen. But as a small country town, there was no grey, it was black and it was white. Yeah. Um, and we got sort of racism from both sides because we were the fair-skinned blackfellas that lived in town, um, the accepted coons, I guess. Um, but my, my mum, she she did a lot of, she worked as a cleaner, as a maid. She only went to grade four, um, but she was 14 and then sent sent out to work. Um, so she lived up, she grew up, she was born and grew up on the Aboriginal settlement of Sherberg. But um, my mum, she was an amazing lady. Um, she was a little very determined woman, she, beautiful woman, um, but she was doing reconciliation before the word became, you know, trendy or something to talk about. There'd always be black and white people at our house. Uh, you know, she did like to, to drink, um, but that brought in, you know, I was one of those kids that was privileged enough to sit around and hear the stories. Um, there might have been around a carton of Forex, but I, but I did take you know, the cultural element of those storytellings. And I think that's where I got it from. My mum was a card, mm-hmm. she, you know. Um, she'd always be telling a yarn, sing a song. Her trick was um, bottle tops on her toes and do a tap routine. I had an uncle and an aunt and then that aunt, she didn't, she wasn't a drinker and she could, she would put Whoopi Goldberg to shame to deliver a joke. And I had an uncle that was the same, just the comedy. And, and you know, they a lot of the stories were harrowing, but typical blackfellow, if you don't laugh, you cry. Um, and I was just very blessed and thank goodness I've got a great memory. My father, who was white, he, he had a great memory. So I think I got my capability of keeping the stories in there from him. But, um, I, you know, Mergen, I, I love growing up in Mergen. Look, you know, I came to a crossroad when I was 14. I could have been a mongrel kid or a good girl. And um, talk, talk to me about that because we could have all been that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I, I feel when I talk to writers a lot, they 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 have a lot in common in that, that, that they were children who were maybe slightly reclusive or slightly, mm. not in a negative way, but kids that liked their own time and liked to read books and their heading books or there was something around them, whether they were living in remote areas or whether they were living in, a, you know, in an unhappy relationship or whatever it is, family relationship, they their resort was stories. Yeah. You know, because I feel that for some people stories are solace, aren't Yeah. I yeah, look, it just it was just something that we shared. My grandmother would share her stories, Mm. my mother would talk stories. It was just it was just the way 
our, the family was. My father was a good storyteller. But did you use story to as a method of escape yeah, as well? Yeah, I think, I think it was. Like I was, when I look back on now, I did. I was a kid that liked my own time, but I wasn't a reader as such. No, but you, I was, but, but storytelling. For storytelling, but for my, uh, I'd watch TV and watch the old black and white movies with my mum, Doris Day was my hero, and then I'd go in front. I had a big wardrobe that I'd stand in front of and recite the movie I just saw or I'd be performing with Whitney Houston or Barbara Streisand or Liza Minnelli and I would relive the stories and then make up my own drama. I was always a kid that had make-believe friends. I was always a kid that was in my own head. Exactly. Uh, and, and They're I'd the come people up, I'm <laughs> describing, yes. <laughs> and I'd come up with, you know, it would be raining but I'd be in the desert looking for water, you yeah. know. I'd roll around in a puddle out the back in my, in my best I, dress, you know. I, um, people often ask me, you know, um, are you a writer? And I... No, 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 never. And this is the difference that I see between, say, you and me is I watch a movie and I love it and I take it all in but I never wonder how it happens. You yeah. know, I never look behind the scenes because I am so engrossed in the story. It yeah. feels real. I never think that I can do it. I mean, I enjoy it thoroughly. Same with reading a book. You know, I will read a book. I will take it all in. It feels really real to me. But the people like you, they do the same thing but there's a curiosity about how it came about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that's true. Yep, I do. You know, you get in. Well, I'm, I've also got... You know, I'm a director as well, so I'm always mm. looking at how things are made or when I read stuff, how can I turn it into a film or, you know, what's behind this scene or where did this scene this or this chapter, you know, come from or, you know, or I'd run pictures in my head of of how the story would be, mm. could pan out. Um, and so some, so I've really got to get a book that I really enjoy um, and I do, I do like, I probably read a lot of um, autobiographies. Mm-hmm. So then I'm not, their life is already planned out and it's real. So I'm not trying to make a movie out of it or I'm not trying to see behind it and I can just read it mm-hmm. for what it is and be, in, be encouraged, I guess, especially with a lot of uh, performers, you know, reading their, 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 their books. So what happened at 14? You kind of, what did you think about, you know? What, oh, I was why just was at that a crossroads. It was, I think everyone, you know, when you're a mm-hmm. teenager and, and you know, getting involved with boys and far too young, and 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 you know, dealing with domestic violence. We didn't have a lot of money in the in our house, so you know, my mum was a sole parent. She was on a pension, and um, you know, I'd get new clothes in a plastic bag from you know hand me downs. But I, I still love a good hand me down. Um, so recycling, but, recycling. That's it. <laughs> but um, but in saying that, all that journey, that 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 hardship. Like there was other mates that were living a lot harder life, but that's my journey, and it made me who. I am and it talk to me about the domestic violence. I was in a relationship with a with a with a young fellow at school and at fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourteen through to nineteen I had a child to him and it was just it was just the way of the land. The yeah. way life was in, in a small country town, there's a lot of violence, you know, there'd be a fight on a Friday night and people sorting out things. Um and uh and it wasn't until after my mum died that I said I don't need to be here. And how old up with were this. you when your mum died? Uh, eighteen. I had my daughter when I was eighteen. She, my daughter, I turned eighteen in August. My daughter was born in September, and my mother died in October. So oh. literally, just so it 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 made me pull up my socks mm. and and work. If there's ever awakening, that's yeah, that and, and work it out because I, I wanted I wanted change for my daughter. I didn't. Mm. I grew up around pubs and you know that that lifestyle, and I didn't. I didn't want it I'm, I, and I'm not a pub person now. I couldn't, mm. I wouldn't, I don't have a local or anything like that and she was, I just didn't, I just didn't get that. I didn't understand, you know, um, 
the amount of drinking that was had and, and to be so drunk, you know, I didn't understand. You know, I, I did understand at the time. My mum was, you know, had her own hardships and that's how she dealt with it. And I did do that, you know, I sort of gave up drinking when I was 15, you know. and Gave then, up. Gave up. And then, and and you know, just sorting yourself out and then I went back to it and when I was breaking up with a boyfriend and after my mum passed away and you got a young daughter and, you know, and then I said, no, I've got to, I've got to get out of here and think about me because my mum's saying, well, you've got to look out for number one, you're number one and only you can do it. Yeah. So and she said, and if you look after yourself, everything else will fall in into yeah. place. I mean, I think for those of us, and, you know, it happened to me as well, there was a point in my life where I thought, am I going, I need to think about the person I'm going to be. Yeah. Don't you? Well, you that's, really that's when I was 14. Because, yeah. And, you know, and thank goodness, you, you know, you come across some good teachers. Yeah. Because there was a teacher that said that as well, that said, um, mm. you know, I don't want you in my class. But, but not that I was a bad kid. I was more about um, uh, probably more about self imploding and, and, you know, hurting myself more than anyone else. And, and I said, and he said, I don't want you in my class. And I went, oh, okay. And then, but he, but I ended up in his class and we became mates and he was, you know, just. And how did you hear that? How, you know, what, what effect did it have on you? Oh, I went, oh, gee, I don't want to be. That I don't want, person. I don't want to be that person. I want people to like me. And when I did have a lot of friends, black and white, and I walked yeah. in both worlds, but it was just the destructive path that I was on. I was tired, you know, there was, and just years of looking after my mum and, and, and making sure she was okay. It just got to a point. And then, of course, with the boyfriend and far too young to be in relationships and, mm. you know, and then, and then I just sort of, I, I actually fell into my um, Aboriginal culture and said, who am I? Where am I? How do I sit in this this world? And it was actually spending time with uncles and aunties and, and, and working out who I was as an Aboriginal woman, did I find a foundation and and that 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 held me in good stead and, and it still does mm. to this day. So you're 18 and you're a single mum. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do from there? Well, I, um, I wasn't in a good place at that time when I was working out what I should do and then I, uh, and then I just went, there's got to be more to life. And then I caught a reflection of myself in that same mirror that I used to play in as a kid. And I went, who are you? Mm. What are you doing? And then I had, you know, I looked down and there was my daughter on the floor. Or I looked back because she was in the reflection as well. And I went, Mm. it's time to do something. My mother's not here. There's nothing tying me to this little country town. So I packed my bags and and left and hadn't looked back, you know. And And that is so incredibly brave. Yeah, yeah. Leaving yeah. your family is not easy. Yeah. Well, you know, a nephew said, oh, come and live with us and I'll look after you. And I just said, no, I, I, I need to go. I need to just, I need to go. And, and did you have any idea? Oh, well, my little dream of being an actor just resurfaced and I said, why not? I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know, some would say that that's quite ambitious, coming from a very small town in Queensland, really not having the resources behind you. Had you been to acting school or anything like that? No. no. Uh, Single mum, 18 years old, and you're following a dream. Yeah. I love it, (laughs) Lou. Tell me more. Um, Well... well yeah, I it was just and I looked in the mirror and I went why not Let, let's let's just go let's just mm. see you know I, I went down to an aunt that lived down in Marimbula and I stayed there for 3 months just to sort myself out and because uh, I was drinking a lot too then and I just said it's not the it's not the right thing and it's not what I want it's not me you know some people can do it I'm it's just not me and it's very hard to stop yeah if you get caught up yeah. you know and and uh and I just and then I and I, when I was coming back home to Mergen, um, I stopped in Brisbane for a couple of weeks and my preschool friend that I went to preschool with and my mum used to drink with her dad uh, rings me out of the blue and I went, how did you know I was with my niece in Brisbane? She said, oh, my mum saw your older sister in town and, you know, they got to a oh, typical wow. small town and she said, and I'm in Brisbane and I'm about to um, apply for a flat. If I get it, would you be interested? And I went... Uh, yeah, why not? Um, with a baby. I, with a baby. And I just went. She's game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just went. But then I went, I'm thinking oh, a couple of weeks, could be a month. Yeah. She rings me the next day and goes, I've got it. And I went, oh. oh, okay. Well, it looks like I'm not going home. And I rung my sister and I said, oh, no, you know, so-and-so's rung me and I'm, I'm going to live in Brisbane. So she went, oh, righto. How old was your little girl then? Um, oh, About. she would have been maybe two. See, I'd never flat with yeah, somebody one, with one. a baby. Yeah. No, she, yeah, yeah. So good on her. But it yeah. was great because at that time she was doing a little um, acting course in the valley in Brisbane. They took your money if you were crap. They took your money if you were great. Yeah. Um, and she was doing that. So she, And I didn't know that she wanted. She was interested in performance either at school. She didn't sort of show that side to herself. And she was doing it and I was watching her go off, you know, and do the course. And, and then I said, do you mind if I do the course, you know, when you're finished and, you know, I'm not trying to copy you or anything. She's no, 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 off you go. And she babysat for me. What a, you know, a wow. great mate. Yeah. And I did that course and it was it was acting for TV and I got the first student to get excellence in the school and and I and you know and then it helped it helped and, and it just it I guess it motivated me. So you know a, a preschool friend from Mergen and now some people out. some people would say you're lucky but I don't I don't think luck has anything to do with it I think the fact that you pulled yourself out and you yeah. took yourself on a journey and you stop in Brisbane and decide that you're going to flat with somebody and you've got a two-year-old I yeah. mean it would have been so much easier to go home oh absolutely and yeah. you know my sister said oh you know I can help with the baby and all this yeah, and it's but, easier yeah but my mother always said to me okay if you're going to have that kid then you look after it that's your responsibility absolutely Solely, you know, yeah. and I and I just I just took that on and and um and, and and you have to and and it is you know like I I think like I'm a spiritual person I believe in there's fate I believe that there's a journey part um, carved out for you there's a few journeys and it's 
what you choose to make of your life. Mm. Um, you know, there's hardships and sometimes you just, you know, you've got to turn that stuff around. I'm not a material person so I didn't, I didn't care that I walked away from a home with furni- my mother's furnishings. I took what I wanted. I gave the rest to the family. I said, mm. you know, I can always rebuild that but I can't. It takes longer to rebuild your soul when you when it's destroyed. That's that's the hardship. So I got out before it was completely, mm. you know, it took a very long time. It takes a long time. But if you can make the choice to just just go for your safety, go for your sanity, then, mm. then, then so things So tell me change. about your time in Brisbane and winning, so getting a high distinction in this. So did it lead to your first job? Um, not yes and no. It gave me... Um, it, it, it encouraged me to find agents, um, but it was through. It was actually doing a um, uh, an eight week Murray Music workshop, and I and they're all my uncles and and my partner, <laughs> uh, a new boyfriend at the time who's my partner now. We've been together for twenty eight years. Oh wow! Um, he he went for a jog and found a piece of paper in the gutter, and flipped it over, and there was this Murray Music workshop. And I said, I don't want to go. They're all my relatives, you know. They'll run a muck, and you know. But I went, and it was fabulous. Everyone behaved and drank tea, and and I just and it was performing music with my uncles that I had sat around at their feet listening to their stories mm. and watching them play guitar. And so it was great because I'd just stand at the mic. They'd go for a cup of tea and a cigarette and I'd stand there and they'd go, Lee, you've got to give us a break. And I went, yeah, I know, you've got five minutes, hurry up. You know, and I was just encouraged and it was beautiful to make mistakes in front of them because I didn't feel like I'd be judged. I think if it's I It's practising. Yeah, and, but, uh, but I wasn't a one to sit down in the classroom. I always felt intimidated being in a classroom. So it was great to be able to be with family and feel... It's okay if I make a mistake because that's my family and it's cool. You mm-hmm. know, they're going to help me out or I didn't. And it was blackfellas so I didn't feel that I felt stupid if I asked a question that was obvious. Um, and and that, through that singing, we did a few live performances. We did a little cassette um, <laughs> that was sold. Yeah, yeah, remember the days. <laughs> yeah. And then um, and then someone, um, another auntie or, you know, an auntie friend of the family uh, was directing for street arts in, in Brisbane and uh, she got me to audition and she put me through the ringer too. I didn't just walk in and get a job. I had to go back a few times and, um, and I was was writing music at that time, being inspired by the workshop, and I wrote a song about my grandmother from the Stolen Generations, and um, I sung that for her, and and it was it was um, stories about of Musgrave Park. Only Maureen Watson was the writer, mm-hmm. and we all sort of collaborated together to get the story up, and that got me in front of Michael Leslie from Brand New Day, mm-hmm. and I got a role in Brand New Day and then that got me because we did a national tour of Australia, that got people to see me and and then um, I came back to Brisbane and was working at La Boite in, in, a, in a two-hander mm-hmm. and we were the two youngest actors in Australia to perform it where I won a Matilda Award and a lady, um, Anne Robinson from Faith Martin Casting in Sydney came there, handed me a card. I didn't know what that was. I showed it to Bain, thank God he was switched on. <laughs> uh, I showed it to him and he said, do you understand who this person is? And I said, no. no. I said, I was tired. I just finished a show. She said she's a casting agent from Sydney and said when you're in Sydney, look me up. So I did and I got police rescue and 
as they say, the rest is history and it just kept So when did you move from Brisbane to Sydney? Yeah, I moved in around about um, 95 and I was was in Brisbane for about four years. That's where I met Bain, my partner, and we we came down um, because I was one of the first video jockeys for the pay TV, XYZ in those days, Uh, the Red Channel, V now, (laughs) Leah's Soul Kitchen, had my dreadlocks and my nose ring. And so I came down for that and then being down in Sydney, I said, well, here's an opportunity to chase my dream of being an actor and that's when um, I I, I found that little card and uh, rang Anne Robinson and said, I'm here. And I said, so what do, what do you got for me? So I tormented her until I got the role. Um, and it was, but, but, but it was, if I, I said to myself, if I'm going to do this for real, if I'm going to chase this dream, I've got to put myself into places where I can have opportunity. Yeah. It's not going to come to me. That's it's not how no. the universe works. No, that's right. So I said, um, so I, I said, yeah, if I get a chance to go down there to work, I wasn't just going to rock up because I had my daughter to think about. I had to come down with, a, with, a, with employment and I had that opportunity and, and away we went and I just mm-hmm. kept, I just kept hustling. I just I, I learnt on the job. I, I never sat in the green rooms. I'd always be an actor that sat on set, especially through police rescue and to learn. To learn and, yeah. and, and then got cheeky and said, Oh, I could think I could write this stuff, you know. Yeah. Especially when I started doing um, Fallen Angels, which which was my first Aboriginal role. Police rescue was just I was just anybody. Um and uh so that was interesting when I said, Oh, hang on a minute, I got a bit of in insight into these stories and I can I think I can do a better job. Mm. Um, I'm cheeky. I don't know the rules and I don't want to know the rules. I still don't know the rule of how the industry works and I hope I break all of them. Do you pinch yourself sometimes? Yeah, I I do but the great thing is is I don't, I'm always chasing the next job. So So you're always working. I'm always working. But every now and then like when I looked at the book the other night when I finally sort of got home and I I just finished filming so it takes a while to come down and I went and had a swim in the ocean just to get a bit of earth, sat in the sand, rubbed it over myself and then the next morning I woke up and I looked over because I started to reread it myself to remember what I'd done and I went, oh, my gosh. I said, I've got a novel out mm. and I was a, I, I, I used to, you know, I was in my C average reading group. So I was in the group, see me and a mate would sit out on the veranda, we'd always talk, never read, you know, to someone now holding my own novel. And But I love it. I love the experience of writing. I loved the learning process. So talk to me about that. How did that, how did that come about? Tell me how The Drover's Wife came about. Yeah, well, it's... Well, it started out as a play, and yeah. I was I was just a frustrated director in a workshop. So, wasn't did you write the play? Yes, yeah, no, I wrote the play. So that's so why I was ha- there. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, that's what happened. I was working as a director in a writer's Uh, room. Got it. And I got frustrated with the other writers and I said, it must be time for me to write something. Yeah. So I went home and on my bookshelf I had my mother's little book of Henry Lawson's short stories and the little red cover was sticking out and I said, that's it, it's time to do it. Because when I did Lantana, uh, no, sorry, Jindabyne, we were up in the Snowy Mountains in Jindabyne and we'd go for walks and I went up there and I said to my partner, I said, Bain, we don't utilise this landscape in our films or television and I I said, guess what, I'm putting it out on country. I said, I'm coming back, I'm going to do something and I went, it's going to be the drover's wife, I'm going to write it, I'm going to be in it and I'm going to come back here and do it. Well, that's what we just finished a week okay. ago. But with the play, so then I, I grabbed the book and I put it beside my computer and I said, I'm not going to reread it, I'm going to remember what how my mother told it to me. So away I went. I did it in seven days and I said, this has got to be crap but it's a start. And then Bain read it because he's the producer of our company and he went, no, 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 oh. there's something special in here. And I went, seriously, I wrote it in seven days. He said, no, no, no. And then Belvoir Street had the Bal Naves Fellowship and I always thought it was for 
new writers and at this time I'd written Box the Pony and Black Chick Stalking but I finally read the read the fine print and it said as long as you're Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander descent you can apply so I went and this was this is with this is true it was three o'clock on a Friday afternoon a ping on my computer to say this is your last chance to get anything in for the bell knaves and I said I've got 15 pages and I rung Bain and I said what do you do and he said what do you what do you want me to do <laughs> and I said we've got an application to do in one hour and 49 minutes I and know that went, feeling yeah and he went okay then yeah. and thank goodness we put it in because my my when 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 the application came back they said all our note is what happens next and yeah. I went awesome well and you know so that was amazing to have some finances to be able to sit down and write because I was always writing, you know, you yeah. just write because you, that's no, what yeah, I do. Yeah. And then you go and you don't write to sell make it. Money. No, no. no. And uh, so that was glorious to be able to do that and then to put it on. And I still didn't know what we had. You know, we, we, you know, people would read it and go, this is great and this and working on it. And then it wasn't until sort of opening night when we got five five standing, oh, well, a standing ovation and five encores and, and the boys, there's because I'm the only female in it, uh, the, the boys said, what have you done? I said, I don't know, just take the bow. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, you know, people resonated with it, you know, of course. And why do you think that? What, do you think um, storytelling or the, the arts in particular, is that, I feel as though we need to see ourselves in art, don't we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and I think we need to see ourselves, our nation. Yeah, I think we need to see our, the truth in that. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people came along thinking that they might have got a literal <laughs> interpretation of Henry Lawson's short story. Mm. Um, but but it was like um, my partner describes it as they're getting on a roller coaster ride at, you know, a theme park and the gate comes down and you're closed in and you can't get out, you've got to come on this journey. I think people are interested because um, a, a female perspective on a male-written story, it's one of our, you know, original stories of, 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 of hardship for women on, on the land. Um, I, you know, I've got a fan base. People were intrigued to see oh, what I, I could you, do, you know. I know you've got a fan base. Yeah, They're so, all been talking to us yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, there was – and I, but, I, but I really think people wanted to see – ourselves up there. We wanted to pay homage to women of the past. We want to pay homage to women now. Um, and 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 it was a story that they could relate to. I think they were interested in the Indigenous flavour that I put put through it. You know, Yarika is based on my um, great-grandfather. Yeah, I think, do you know what it is for me is that it is just who you are. Like there's nothing more or less than that, is there, in your storytelling? It's just who, who you, you are. are. Yeah, no, that's... That's that's true. I mm. never thought about that, but yeah, it is, and I think that's what people like. Yeah, of people course. just 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 want 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 to be in 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 someone's personal space and and the the reality of that. And me as a performer, you know, I love performing that show. We hope to do it again. There's a tour mm. at some stage when I got five minutes to put it together. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it I, I love that about live performances. And then what I loved about writing the novel is of course I've done the play. Then at the same time I started to write the feature film because my partner's, as I said, the producer and he's gone, there's a film in this and I said, yeah, I know, just let me open open mm. up and I'll get back into it. And then of course um, you know, uh, with, with um, Pen Penguin Random House coming up with the offer of, of the novel and uh, I just went, absolutely, because when you're writing um, for a film, you're writing character breakdowns. So I said, I've got all this story that I can, you know, fit into mm. the novel and, and hopefully 
fatten it out and give it some depth. And mm-hmm. and I just enjoyed that process of, you know, as I said, as a kid, I lived in my head. I still live in my own head. I don't live in reality much, you know, but it's um, it was a I great think, process. I think the story too is so compelling and so strong that it has survived so many mediums and often stories don't do that. No. Um, but I think that this has happened here. Um, we've got to finish off, unfortunately. How old is your daughter now? My daughter is 30. Oh, my and goodness. And I've got two grandchildren. Oh, uh, my What goodness. are they, 11 and 8? Wow. And my little Sydney silky, Odie. Yeah. <laughs> Leah Purcell, thank you so much. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Eating, follow us on Facebook or visit bettereating.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.